Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Big swig, then we go. Do you know what? No, we're just going. Big swig is what the first words of this week's IGN UK podcast. Hello, A load my- of BS. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my name is Dale Driver, and that voice you just heard is one Joseph Scrabbles. Hello. Sorry, Joseph Valerian Scrabbles. Valerians. Scrabbles, oh, it's S. Yes. Oh, pluralized. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. It's not friend. pluralized. I've got multiple <laughs> Valerians in me. It's just a name. Uh, we're also joined with Jesse Gomez. I say joined with, by the way. I know everyone laughs about that, but that's just, just what I say. Joined by Jesse Gomez. There we go. My proper introduction, the one I've always deserved. And now I have it. I'm <laughs> so <here>. dry. <laughs> so dang I don't, don't want to unleash all my emotions just yet. I need Give to us a bit of vigor, Jesse. What you got? Show us some vigor. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'm oh, scared. God, he showed us his vigor. <laughs> <laughs> This week, we've had some stuff happen. Joseph, you've got a new toy to play with. I do. I've got Steam Deck, the biggest, <laughs> ugliest handheld in town. Um, yeah, I got it through the mail today. Uh, the The mailman could barely hold it, kept falling <laughs> over. Uh, I, tru- I truly think, and I'm going to get on to why I, I do like elements of it, I truly think it's one of the grossest looking handhelds I've oh, ever yeah. seen in my life. Like I thought that before I saw it in person. Yeah, <laughs> it's same, but getting it, you're really reminded that you are a, an atom in the grand <laughs> scheme of the universe because this thing is the size of a fucking cosmic god. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> back, to the, um, back to the postman thing, just quickly. Well, yeah. I was a postman, briefly at one point, and I was a paperboy as well. And mm-hmm. I, a little strategy I used to have was getting two bags and crossing the shoulders and spreading the weight. Oh, you must look so cool. I know, right? Do you imagine... Naruto. (laughs) Do you imagine uh, the the postman has like a steam deck in each bag, just like (laughs) evening out the distribution so he doesn't get... Perfectly balanced. Weird lip. Yeah. And that's it. When he took took mine off, he just fell over to the side like the Flintstones car. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big mess. Uh, It's very plasticky. Um, I don't think the buttons feel very nice, except... For those little capacitive um, touch pads, it's got right. on the side because as mm. you move your finger over them, it vibrates under your finger and it feels Ooh. real nice. That's pretty like, sick. When it's loading, that's just uh, what I'm doing the whole time, just feeling around. I assume the games don't use those touch pads, right? Are they just for like using a mouse around? No, it depends on the game. Yeah, so if it's a game with mouse and keyboard, that's how they enable the feeling of of a mouse. Like you can control a cursor that way, as opposed to stick it on um, joysticks mm. and that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's truly disgusting. Uh, and then I turned it on and was like, actually, this is quite cool. Um, the I, I like the Steam Deck, like, the, what the, what do they call it? Proton. I like that Proton layout thing they've got. It's what very sort the of... UI? The big yeah, picture. Yeah, it's like, well, it's the system they've got for making everything sort of work on there. Actually, right. I might be getting confused. That might not be the UI, but it's got its own UI that I think is quite neat. It's like, obviously very reminiscent of Steam itself, but it's quite sort of it's got a handheldy feeling like everything looks big and bright and it kind of mm. and it gets across your your library quite well i was surprised by how little of my library is rated as great for playing <laughs> on steam deck so far um D- like a lot that, of it have seems you actually untested. tried like delving into any of those games and just seeing if they just work normally no, because anyhow. all i've done is played vampire survivors <laughs> which is all i wanted a steam deck for um I will get into that because I want to try out things like I would like as people who've listened to this podcast for a while will know I'm obsessed with the game Cloud Gardens. I think it's the most relaxing game ever made. And I would love to be able to take that with me to places, maybe on a flight that had turbulence. I reckon if I jumped into (laughs) Cloud Gardens, it'd calm me right down. Um, That would be nice. I haven't tested that yet. I will get back to you on that. Um, but what I will say is that it is proof that Vampire Survivors should be on everything because it's the best. Uh, I love Vampire <laughs> Survivors so much, and it should be a handheld game. And now it is, so that's nice. good. When um, you boot it up, does it? 
does it like in my i've always been sold it the idea is just a pc right it's just a portable pc does it, yeah, does it come not. up with like a windows thing no no no, no. so no. It, it, it's base its base function is it comes up with steam like its own ver- you know its own handheld version of steam and you right. could take it away and tinker with it i'm just not gonna bother no. don't mm. give a shit um Maybe one day if they start getting like Xbox Game Pass stuff on there or whatever, I will start looking into it. But right yeah. now that's not very possible, so I can't be bothered. There's the poss- There is a bit of me that wants to do emulation. But then frankly, it's also a lot of bloody work. It does it? sound like <laughs> a lot of effort on a handheld as well. Might it would be nice to play Kessen on a on a Steam Deck. <laughs> um, that's what it was made for. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm not sure about that just yet. I am, but I'm quite happy with it in its in its base form, which is mm. which it loads up nice. I will say, don't try and do stuff offline the first time you do it because it took me so long to get any game to turn on because I was doing it on the tube. Oh, um, because it's looking for cloud saves and then looking for connections and all this stuff, and I was just like, no, 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 no. Just what we'll do is just play the game, please. That yeah. would be nice. Steam Deck. I was whipping out the Steam Deck on the train. Have oh yeah, you done I the, looked cool. Have you done the um, the horizontal play upside down bed test? Yeah. Uh, no. Is that a <laughs> thing I, I meant to do? No. I mean, I when I think of playing games on my phone in bed, I'm like usually lying down with my neck cranked up just a little bit, but I'm holding it above oh, my head. Oh, I see. I thought you meant like hanging off the edge of the bed upside down, like, <laughs> it, like, a, like, a, Sorry, like a girl on the phone in an 80s film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't describe that very well. But yeah, they're basically how heavy. It, is it going to smash <sighs> into your face if you fall I, a little bit asleep? I will never do that because I think I would be left without it. It would be like rotten.com in my house. I'd have no head under yeah, I think Joe would die and it would be because of the same deck. I'm, I'm over exaggerating a little. It's not that heavy, it's just mm. too big. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I really hope there are new versions of this thing. Um, yeah. I hope they make it look nicer. I don't think the screen needs to be as big as it is. Like, I've heard, really? them, I've heard them go, like, I don't know, like, I'd take a smaller Steam Deck. Like, I quite but, like. I think a switch is kind of a perfect size. Yeah, yeah. Um, because because I got big ass jeans, it'll fit in. <laughs> it will fit just in a jeans pocket, and what? I think that is. I That's think that not is true, just surely, mate. You've got a little tiny baby hips compared to me. <laughs> I'm talking back pocket. Oh yeah, there you go. I'll go. Oh in. wow, you kind look so of, cool. Kind of. I just want. I want people to know that. <laughs> They'll just demonstrate to us only, for our eyes only, yeah. trying to shove a switch inside I just his can't jean imagine. pocket. I say that I've got an iPhone 13 Pro Max, which is pretty fucking massive, and that fits yeah. in my pockets. My 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 point here isn't that I'm going to walk around with a switch or a Steam Deck in my pocket <laughs> just on the street, but, but you can. But I use it as a marker to. of. I reckon that's the right size for a handheld. That's my mm. unscientific way of rating it. And fuck me if a Steam Deck isn't going to rip my trousers open on the street. <laughs> so I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a bizarre thing. I'm not totally sold on it. I'm glad I have one. Yeah. Um and I do genuinely think when I next go away on a plane, uh it will be have to be a short haul trip because the battery isn't very good. <laughs> oh, how, but, is yeah. well, how how long is it? Um well, Vampire Survivors I played for a fair old while and that's not a taxing game. Mm. But and it didn't seem too bad after that. But I have heard things like if you play an Elden Ring on there, you're getting like hour and a half oh my god something like that what's um, the what's the what's the the fan action like because obviously it's a pc yeah it must Again. get does it like from what your only experience so far like you haven't said you've like you know put elden ring onto it and shit but no. um how hot has it gotten it's not gotten noticeably it? hot it's not gotten noticeably hot the thing i've heard is less that it gets hot than it makes a it's crazy some, noise when it's trying yeah. not to be hot yeah it's about um, to lift off and stuff i do need to put something proper on there i've got on my Steam, I do have Batman Arkham Knight, and I might try that. That seems um, like a good test. Like, that feels like a reasonable, it will work, but it's not It's not an absurd game to have on it. Mm. I might try that out, and I'll, I'll come back, because I've been meaning to replay it as well. I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah. in terms of the games running as well, like, you can run them at, at quite reasonable quality as well. Like, you're, you're obviously not pushing these things to 4K, because it's not necessary. No, 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 no. no. So you, you could run them at 720, and it would look absolutely fine. Well, that's, that's the thing, it. you've got the freedom to do it, right? Because you are running the PC ports of these games, so you could limit your FPS to 30. You could, you know, bump it to 480p and stuff like that. Yeah. That's Just- it. I'm really not thinking about steam deck as something to play big games on either like yeah, i'm not yeah. i'm not at the point where i'm 
where I'm being like, oh, what I really want to play while I'm out is like a full scale game of fucking <laughs> so know, Far Cry Six or some shit. <laughs> like that's not what I'm in it for. Yeah. Um, but I, as like a as a kind of kooky indies machine, which is mm. what I generally use Steam for anyway. Yeah. Um, that's I, I think it will work for me. I'll just have to get over feeling deeply embarrassed every time <laughs> I take it out. I'm so curious about how this is going to perform. Like, because mm. obviously they know what they're doing. Like, Valve are doing their market research, but it feels like it doesn't really have a market to me. But you say that they've they fucked up on hardware before. Like, they're not infallible. Yeah. Like, they did Steam yeah. machines, they did Steam controllers, and those all fucked. Like, yeah, I mean, I just feel in like a bad way. Not like these guys fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just feel like the people that are into this thing are probably going to have good PCs already or laptops, and they've also yeah. got Switch. And do yeah. they need that thing in the middle? Like, what does I, I that feel, really I feel serve? Like, I feel like for them, if they've got... Because I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat where I've got, you know, a PC I'm really happy with. I've got a Nintendo Switch and stuff. But when it comes to the Nintendo Switch, I only use it for exclusives. And the times mm, I have same. played, like, multi-platform games, they've always been disappointing. So if you were just to go for the base version, £349, it only has 64 gigs of memory. Buy a one terabyte micro SD card, which are getting cheaper by the day anyhow. And then you've got, you know, like a mad micro PC that you can get a, a lot better performance out of compared to a Switch. Yeah, mm. but it's still, you've just basically spent £500 there, like include a game or, or so. Like, yeah. And you can get a very decent, capable PC for that as well. I, so I, I guess, it does the handheld form really like assist? It depends how much you enjoy playing those games, like on your bed or on your sofa and stuff like that, it. you know? I genuinely don't think this is made for people to have as like the core thing, like... I think the flip side to your coin is, A, Valve doesn't need more money. It just wants more money. Yeah. So if they can make a thing that fills a gap in the market comfortably, mm. then that feels like a win probably for them, I would guess. Yeah. And it is fucking dorks like me and Jesse who are like, I want everything everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's, yeah. like, that's what, and, and frankly, those people who are privileged enough to be able to say that, could shell out that money yeah. you know yeah it would probably be a mistake finances wise but they could that, um that, that's know. the thing like i back in last year whenever the pre-orders went live i was like i'm putting my pre-order down for the 500 gigabyte version with mm. just the anti-glare shit and stuff and it's like it's like around 500 pounds or so and i've got that pre-order there i don't think i'm gonna go for it at the end no? of the day just because because I, I realistically, I know I don't need it. I'm not traveling anywhere. You've already I've got, got like three PCs in your house as well. Yeah, I, I know, but it's just, <laughs> I think at the time it was such a cool announcement of technology it's, because I, you look at the yeah. Switch OLED, that's only 300 pounds or 309 pounds or so. And then just an extra 20 or 30 and you've got, you know, the cheapest version of the Steam Deck and, you know, you're going to get so much out of that compared to Switch unless you just want those exclusives. Mm. I, just, I, I, it's, it definitely feels like a hardcore gamer play to me. I guess... What I might underestimate is how big that market truly is these days. Like, mm. yeah. It feels like, you know, growing up, obviously that was a small market, but that it might be big enough now to warrant it. But I would also say like consoles are always, I don't know if this is an occasion, but consoles are always a money loser, right? Like it's always like, you know, about selling the software and then eventually over time you can make money on the con on the hardware. Yeah. So well, and and Valve is a middleware. Like their whole deal is they make all their money on Steam. This is why they didn't mm. make games for ten years because so a, yeah, just the cut on Steam is so valuable to them. So mm. what they've essentially done is given you another way to give them money through software that they don't even <laughs> have to make the software for. Yeah. You know, like it's it all kind of fits into this yeah. like grand you know Phil Gabe's pockets plan mm. that they've been going with. I feel like I'm going to wait for a Steam Deck too because I, I need to see how sort of like a switch pro or a switch 2 and a steam deck 2 sort of just how that happens because for me it's the battery life on the on the steam deck yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like i just because you buy something like that and then you can't upgrade it the only thing you can mess around with is the memory and stuff you know tweak things once you actually get into the hardware itself and the software but i don't know it's just also it's jesse tough. like you know you don't travel that much anymore yeah yeah, yeah i know i said so that I, I ultimately feel like yeah it would be you wasting your money where you could wait just a little bit longer and get something that serves your needs a lot better. Yeah. I, I know this is a ludicrous thing to say, because uh, it is, but there is a part of me that loves the Steam Deck as a household thing, just because I hate sitting at my computer desk playing play games. I can understand that. I can understand yeah. that. I really hate it, but I want to play some of those games. And if I'm if those things are you know compatible and aren't going to be absolute shit to play on there, 
Yeah. I would rather sit on my sofa looking at a Steam Deck with, you know, my legs as a counterweight to the <laughs> giant piece of fucking plastic yeah. that I've got on them. Um than have to sit in this seat where I sit all day, every day anyway. Yeah. What's no, the no. Um, voice chat sort of situation? Because a lot of people obviously use Discord these days. And so Good question. How... I have no idea. I'm yeah. pretty I'm pretty sure that the Steam Deck has a microphone built in and it's surprisingly good because if um, the Steam's own VR headset had one of the best microphones you could get on a VR system. I think they've incorporated that onto the Steam Deck, oh, I think. Cool. Okay. Um, Maybe next yeah. time I should do the entire call from in my Steam Deck. Have you ever had... quite funny. Have you ever had um, on the PlayStation when you're like playing with randoms and the voice just comes out of your speaker on the controller? Yeah, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My wife walked past once heard that and was like, what is this? Like, you are the biggest off. nerd in the world. Also, what, what I do like about that mic is that I always forget it's recording me for trophy things. So there have been a few, I've gone back and watched a few Elden Ring bits and you just hear me going like, I got him! I bloody got him! <laughs> it's a really tinny, weird, far away Beautiful. voice. It wasn't that voice wasn't a million miles away from what Oscar Isaac sounds like in Moon Knight. So we've all watched the first episode of Moon Knight. I actually watched it on my lunch just before this. Uh, yeah, same here. I don't know. I don't know if it speaks volumes of the show, but I have actually tried to watch it three times since Wednesday, <laughs> and I got halfway through it. Then I got another ten minutes into it, and then I finished off the rest of it on this lunchtime. Mm. What Jesse? What what are you what are you feeling so far? It's. I think it's just okay yeah like i i i i like oscar isaac as the lead and role because i feel like he's always been a strong actor and i i i kind of in i'm enjoying the almost venom-esque split personality thing and stuff that they introduced in the first episode but then you have the accent <laughs> which sort of takes away from his ability to act like just on a sort of like audio visual level because he just yeah. he sounds stupid <laughs> I, I, I think scripting wise they've maybe gone a bit leaning a bit too much into it it's all mm. it, everything's like oh all right mate and stuff and shit it like that and in it's like, it quite a lot and i was like yes. okay yeah okay that's authentic i guess but when it's someone whose accent is questionable it makes it it highlights it even more is that meant to so, be a london accent like i can't i don't yeah, know 100 yeah <laughs> but like i genuinely i think there are bits where it's okay and then every so often he says something where it just sounds off and it's hard to, <laughs> hard to think about it. Like, yeah. this is the thing. I think you raised the right point, which is basically, I wasn't, I wasn't incredibly impressed with this. It's a lot kookier, specifically mm. kookier, not like madder, not crazier. It's kookier yes. than I thought it would yeah. be. Uh, but I just think Oscar Isaac is like fucking magnetic. Like I love <laughs> yeah. watching that guy act. And so no matter how stupid he's being, there's something about him where I'm like, I do want to watch what you do. Yeah. I think you're very good. Um, so I'm I, kind of into that element of it. I'm into, obviously, um, so we're not going to really spoil the show, but the, you, like the premise is that he has, what is it, cognitive dissonance or something like that? Or do they just uh, well, split like, personalities? It's, it appears to be... Um, what's it called? DID, dissociative identity mm. disorder. That's the one I was yeah. For, yeah. Um, but uh, but the second uh, character that he's working with, we only got a tease of it in this episode, and that was the one that didn't feel as authentic. I don't know if I took that seriously because he's supposed to be a badass, obviously. So mm. I, oh, I'm, as in as in his Mark Spector. Yes, Mark Spector. Yeah. Right. So I'm interested to see more of that. But that was the one that almost threw me off a little bit. Like, I was kind of into his uh, Stephen Grant. Thing. Mm. It was very, like like you said, Joe. Very cookie. It's very like elements of like Frank Spencer sort of thing. It's just like yeah, he has got, idiot. He is quite Frank Spencer, especially like when he's <laughs> falling asleep on the bus and like trying to read other people's newspapers <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Like it is quite like old school, like English, like zany comedy in some places. Yeah, it's like Hugh. Every Hugh Grant character without the charm. Mm. So sort I of think like oh, that bumbling yeah. like, British man. <laughs> Um, yeah, like I think the biggest problem with this show for me right now is the fact that I'm watching Severance right now, yeah. and, it, and it makes it it just feels insignificant. Like, oh, I've yeah. got to watch Moon Knight when I want to be watching Severance. Mm. But the that's the thing because like, I only watched the first episode of Severance last night. <laughs> just talk about Severance now. Yeah, like, just, no, but <laughs> just look, look yeah. at it's the best show on television. You, you look at you look at like the the cinematography, um, you know, just the pacing of something like Severance, the tone and stuff, and it's like. It all feels like it was very much well-crafted in terms of everything that was presented to you visually and stuff. And then you look at any sort of Marvel project, 
and it's sort of most of the same stuff they've got mm. they've got like this method down that they've applied through everything throughout the years and it works but you just visually it's boring well i think specifically the tv projects have had a lot of that i think one division yes. in places looked very nice but everything since then like even loki which i think is a very good like interesting show a lot of it sort of looks slightly like doctor who yeah um <laughs> yeah. and like and I do think Moon Knight has a bit of, I quite like, I mean, obviously we haven't seen very much, but like, I quite like the, I quite like the scripting, but the direction is what feels off to me. Like, it doesn't feel like tight or, it, yeah. it feels a bit loose at the moment where it's like, mm. I don't really, it doesn't feel like the show knows what it wants to be. Although I will say that first scene of the dude putting the glass in his shoes to Bob Dylan and walking around and stuff. Oh, yeah. You're like, that feels like a completely different show that I would like to watch. Like, that feels really dark and weird. And then you just yeah. get this, like, oh, bloody hell, mate, <laughs> I'm late for work. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it's just like when, when there's just certain lines that he says when he's like, it's steak time. I'm like, why are you saying that? No one's going to say that yeah. shit. I, just, did, I, I know did he's meant like, to be weird, but I can't believe uber handsome Oscar Isaac is some bumbling idiot. He works at a fucking little it, gift shop. Again, it was like part of the point of the show to be all over the place, really, because, you know, you were like, trying to associate what the, the character's experiencing. But it did make it ultimately like just a bit joyless to follow. Like, I didn't really feel like I was following a story. It was just a bunch of events and sequences happening. And, and that's it. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. this is all set up. And I do wonder, you know, we might get to a place where these the stories start coalescing or, you know, the, the thrust becomes clearer. And then it becomes something else. But like, yeah, certainly as a first episode, it's quite a, it's quite an odd way to do an origin story. Although I will also say, I love, I do love the idea of using what I'm guessing is the second personality. So like Mark Spector's the original. Yeah. Mm. And this created Stephen Grant is like, I like starting in his head. He's the primary I like focus. Starting, yeah. And I, I like the idea that like, all the action stuff is happening off screen to some extent and you're getting this sense of like the aftermath which i think is it's that's a fun way to start a show i i agree but, i just hope that we get less of that as we go like i i yeah. really feel like this this show you know sometimes we get disney push shows and it's two episodes at once like i really mm. feel like that could have done with this not that i've seen the second episode i haven't but i just I just got annoyed because I was like, okay, now I'm just getting into what the show is about right at the end of the yeah. episode and then mm. I've got to wait a week. But now I don't know if that was enough to keep me going. Um, I think it's got, I, I suspect it's probably got the same issues which I think about all the Disney Plus shows, which is ultimately this, they're okay at the time, fun at the time. But would I ever go back and watch any of these shows? And the answer is absolutely not. Like, <laughs> yeah, probably they, not. Like, it's my favorite TV shows. I will regularly go back and rewatch them. And the, yeah. these shows are not that. They're, they're I could fluffy. see myself maybe going back to Hawkeye, oh, but that's that, it. That, that's 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 the one I could least go back to. Right? That's bizarre to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, this will this will have to do a lot to get to a place where it's like, like this is an unfair comparison, obviously. But I rewatched No Way Home last night. Like that film is just so compulsive and like well put together, and yeah. the structure of it, particularly when you watch it the second time, is so clear. Like it feels like. It feels like issues of, I know this is a classic way to describe things, but it feels like issues of a comic where it's like, here's this whole first bit with the spell, here's the collecting the, the villains, here's the spoiler. Like, it feels like so potted mm. and episodic in such a tight, clever way that when you get to these shows, they often feel like quite, I mean, like Falcon and Winter Soldier is the archetypal one for me, where it's just this like plodding march from yeah. plot point to plot point. Yeah. So little intrigue. And you're like, oh my God, we're going back to the fucking <laughs> flag smashers again. Great. Um, even, even Loki, which feels like name. it shouldn't be that. I feel like the only thing I'd want to go back and watch Loki is the stuff right at the end. Because, you know, that yeah. connects to the MCU. And I'd like to like revisit that with like different contexts. Um Everything else, all the first like three or four episodes, no, no interest. Uh, I like I like that first episode where they're in the in the crazy place, whatever that place was called, Bureau of Control, yeah. <laughs> which it basically was. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I I could go back to that, but yes, right. I I certainly see that point. We've had some big news this week. Well, mm. what news that we've known's been coming for a while, but PlayStation finally announced 
their new service called <gasps> PlayStation Plus More. <laughs> uh, what is it actually called? So it's PlayStation Plus. It's Play- just called PlayStation Plus. No, but, but you've got the three tiers. tiers. But there's you've three got, tiers. You've yeah. got essential, extra, and premium. premium. And then right. if you don't have the streaming services available, then you have deluxe. Yeah, which is a cheaper version of premium. Already sounds so a bit simple. Messy, to be honest, <laughs> oh, it's uh, so messy. Yeah. So, so what the the pricing structures the the I've already forgotten the names. Essential is the first one, right? Essential, yeah, is, essential exactly is like the, the same normal. As what you have that's now. exactly the yeah. same. That's so. I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Like people who are not first one might not know about what's going on. I always use think of my brother in these situations who's not plugged into games media at all. But yeah. He has a PlayStation Plus subscription. For him, nothing would change. It would just carry on the same yeah. as normal. I kind of appreciate that. What do you get, Jesse? You, you, I feel like you've got this committed to memory now. So, what do you get in the the second tier? Oh no! Now you're putting on the stop. So I think I think the extra tier offers you like a library of, if I'm correct, like maybe four hundred ish like PlayStation yeah, Four and PS5 games. PS5 I think. Now, right? Yeah, between three hundred and four hundred games available yeah. for download specifically. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and then, then the top tier is the PS Now merging stuff. Is that that? Yeah, that's the that's the premium stuff where I think I think you get an. A, a, <laughs> A few hundred additional games it's on like top of that. It's like 300 more games. Yeah. Plus streaming choices. Yes. Um, PS3 games, which are streaming only. Right. Yeah. And also that, and that extra includes the retro stuff. So PS1, PS2, PSP is in there, not yeah. the second tier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's re- it's retro and streaming added to your added to the standard like Game Pass like yeah. element of extra. Um, but PS Now is obviously now that this has just been completely merged into that. What was PS Now before? How much did it cost? I can't I don't it, I've never met anyone who's used it. No. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, no I, idea. I I used it as a free trial just to check out I think Killzone 3 right. and stuff because I like this was ages ago because I just wanted to see what Sony's offerings were like in terms of, you know, playing retro titles and stuff, but then I I think it mu- it must have been like maybe six ninety nine a month kind of thing, probably like and a basic the, thing. The only thing I'm, I'm thinking of is if it, if somebody is out there who has PlayStation Plus and PS Now, it feels like maybe it's a benefit to them. They might not like mm. the same amount of money. Like it was, was it seventeen ninety nine for the a month for the the ultimate edition? <laughs> Whatever. That that, that's the thing I, I can't remember. But everyone everyone's sort of been describing this as sort of like you know the Game Pass competitor, which I think it definitely isn't right because you're not getting those day one releases like I guess it depends. What, what, yeah what do you look for like what's the best thing from game pass for you uh, for me like i'm not too bothered about the day one release thing but it's like just being able to check out games that i missed in the past that's my favorite thing about game pass um but then for like for yourselves i imagine the day one thing is a huge factor y- yeah that's like, absolutely massive yeah, yeah just because like you know it's it's like the best way to get sort of like a game trial because you're not really it's sort of just packaged for me anyway with my Xbox Live subscription and stuff. And if there's a game that, you know, is getting rave reviews and I want to check it out for a bit, then I can. If I'm not a fan, I can uninstall it. No problem. But with the PlayStation Plus premium essential, whatever, it's just you're not getting any of that. The weight is still there for those who want to experience those day one games and might not have the cash to put forth for stuff like that. Sure. I wonder, also, like, I, go on, uh, I totally get their thinking here. Like Jim Ryan came out straight away and was just like, look, it's just not how our games work because unlike most of Xbox's first party games, which have an element of um, microtransaction or like game of service built in. So mm. stuff that you would want to keep paying for. Yeah. A lot of Sony's big stuff just doesn't, it doesn't even do DLC. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just a game you buy on day one. And so I totally get their reasoning there. The problem I think they're going to have is that by opening this up to the idea of like, we get three months after, or, you know, sorry, comes out, let's say God of War Ragnarok comes out, and then a month after release, it hits um, PlayStation Plus. Yeah. If that becomes the cadence, then all you're going to do is stop everyone from buying the game on day one, waiting a month, playing it then. And you're sort of like muting your own release days by accident. Mm. And I almost feel like this is kind of wild, but it, like if I was Sony, what I'd be doing is going, right, if we're going to commit to this, we'll go day one on our games and we'll just chuck in some microtransactions. Like we'll have like <laughs> cosmetic Kratos armor that you can buy or whatever yeah. and go the Assassin's Creed route. I feel um, like 
maybe yeah. maybe they could have had it as like the the highest tier was the one with the day one releases and mm. then you still had the basic tier um but i understand where they're coming from for a financial center they actually said about the month thing it was like just use no no that's me supposing i have no idea what that i feel like that would be a really bad if it was six months i'd get it but yeah, yeah. one month which I, feel I, like... which I think is quite possible but then but then you this is the problem with this halfway house is like once you get to like six months later people are going to be like why the fuck am i using this service like if that's what you want out if you want the exclusives out of it as part of your subscription yeah you might just be like this is not worth my time yeah. like yeah, waiting this long and paying whatever it is 14 pounds a month for it yeah have they showed yeah because it's it's 13.49 monthly for the highest tier um mm. you know premium but they haven't told us like what sort have they told us what premium games fit within um, that tier well no so in the extra service they're definitely including um both spider-man games god of war a couple of like mortal kombat 11 something a couple of others they've confirmed yeah. like six games and then the premium stuff really is like you get all of this plus streaming plus retro that's a, uh, and i think that, that's that, what they're going for that's what really pisses me off about that it's just and it's like it's very me but putting the retro stuff your legacy to the highest tier mm. it just seems irritating like I'm, I'm like mildly pleased that sony are looking at that but it's putting it at the highest tier is just irritating well because the people who are interested in retro are the most uh dedicated and active consumers aren't they so yeah. they're the ones that are willing to spend the most money also yeah it's a tough one but like i have had a playstation plus subscription for as long as it's been going yeah i don't know what i really get out of it these days to be honest it's just a thing i have i never yeah. even really think about like i rarely download the games because um, because of the nature of our job, most of the time I've usually played or decided I don't want to play those games by the time yeah. they come to that service anyway. So it's actually made me question like why I have it. I guess yeah. the multiplayer aspects of it. Uh, that's, like, that's the thing. I got an email reminder today about PlayStation Plus, like, oh, you're going to have to renew yours in like a month or something. And I'm just like, do I need to? Because I don't play online all too much and I don't use PlayStation Plus for anything else. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether, like, because when, when it comes to online stuff, like, I've just got my PC and there we go. Like I don't really need much yeah. else. If it turns off messages in Elden Ring, which I think it does, then I'd be fine. Does it? Yeah, I think <laughs> I because I think that's multiplayer services. Sake. Oh, that's that is mad. Um but I, I don't know. I, f I feel like it's just it's sort of made me realise as well just like how I know I'm gonna just harken back to this again, but just Sony's like emulation backwards yeah. compatible efforts and stuff, because it's just annoying how reliant sony is on streaming stuff and i know you're gonna have like you'll have some people i've seen it online it's like oh what about the cell architecture it's so tough and it's like like where have you been for the past 10 years like yeah. playstation 3 emulators have existed for that long and you know are fine and then like the ps5 itself is a capable console hardware gpu the amount of cores memory it has and stuff but it's just i guess it's the thing where sony don't want to put that massive investment in time and then also having to deal with licenses because we've seen it with Xbox, like the Xbox backwards compatible where they've, they've just stopped it now because they said they've come to the end of being able to come to license agreements. Yeah. And that's it. <sighs> I think, unfortunately, Jesse, like, I'd imagine it, the time and money and investment is just not worth it for the amount oh. of customers it serves. Yeah, yeah. Like, although to Absolutely. you it seems like a very important thing, I'd imagine a very large majority of users are not interested or maybe think they're interested, but not at, wouldn't actually use it. Yeah, I know. Like, I know, so I know it's like business be business, you know, like, no, like, yeah, I understand. But the thing is, like, I guess in my head, I want to see something official where in reality, there are already groups and people who have been working on emulators for longer than these companies have and are always going to be better than the companies when it comes to that stuff anyway. The solution is already out there, but I just would have been nice to see something official to the standard that, like, you know, Microsoft did throughout the years. But it's, You just mentioned a word a minute ago that they're where these unofficial channels don't have to worry about, and it's the work called licensing, you know? Yeah. There's, there's all, sorts of, all sorts of hurdles and loopholes. And mm -hmm. Not that I'm apologizing for them. I think they should. I, it's daft that you can't put a PS2 free disc in a PS5 and play those games. But it's uh, Sony, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> we've, we've come to expect this, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, like, go on. No, no, I mean, I was just, just going to say, like, everything's just moving towards, you know, that curated list 
of like every month, here's a few of the games you're going to get. It's like, you know, how Nintendo Online are doing their like, you know, tiny, somewhat embarrassing offerings are like, here's some shit NES games that you're giving us money to play and then we're going to take them away. It's just like... Oh, uh, like the Nintendo one, I think is embarrassing. And I like, yeah, never had any... Proper. I think I signed up for it to play Tetris 99 for a month and then I just cancelled after that and never gone back to it. of no interest. <laughs> yeah. But the the old Nintendo games that I wanted to play, I've played 50 times in my life already. Like, I don't yeah. need to play those games again. No, that's true. But... You out there, the audience, you might have some opinions about this. Let us know what you think. It's IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Now, we're going to do an endless search. <gasps> Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? This game was sent in by Daniel Black, and he says, Hello, IGN UK crew. I have an idea for an endless search. But I had an idea, I mean, I stole the idea from Richard Osman. He calls mm. it smash, he calls it answer smash. I call it game slash film, film slash game, game. Yeah. <laughs> That's a brilliant name. <laughs> yeah. A lot of thought know. has gone into this. I, I don't think it's, it's quite as catchy, but yes. Um, I think it's a good stolen idea. I don't know if my clues are pitched right, but I try to at least knock together a few examples. The idea is easy enough, though. I've mashed together a description of a game and a film that share a word or part of a word in common. Players have to work out both the titles and how they fit together to get any points. So he's got an example here. And his example is rip and tear your way through hell's armies in Michael Gondry's 2004 memory wiping breakup masterpiece. Any ideas? Okay. Um, oh. Wait. Yeah. I mean, I know those. So the answer is doom eternal. Oh, doom eternal of right. Yeah. 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 This is basically poor man to overwatch. It is. Yes. <laughs> I'm just being polite. I'm just reading Daniel's email. But yes, the answer is Doom Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. I'm going to fail. <laughs> he says, figure this is best played fastest finger first. If you want, you could also play using Chopper Defoe rules, where the first answer out of their mouth has to be bang on with no stumbles or it's thrown to the other player. I don't like that rule. I think uh, no, savage. Also, I like Chopper Defoe rules as a, <laughs> <laughs> as a thing. I, th I think I think that's pretty harsh rules because you could get it so close and get one tiny word wrong and then the other person steals the point. Um, I, I, I like I, I want to encourage people being frantic with it and not having to pause for thought. Oh, uh, so yeah, here we go. We've got some, we've got, he's sent us a bunch here, 13 of them. So we'll just see how we get on. Brilliant. I'm just going to write a little scoreboard on my notepad. And then okay. we'll crack on. Right, so the first one. George Romeo's seminal 1978 horror about a post-apocalyptic world overrun by, by giant dinosaur machines. Uh, wait. <laughs> I thought this was an say easy again, one. Say it again, say it again. George Romeo's seminal 1978 horror about a post-apocalyptic world overrun by giant dinosaur machines. I, I know yeah, the no, film no. and I know the game. I don't know the I've game. <laughs> I just don't know how they fit together. What? I mean, I want to know. Oh, God. I feel like it's obvious, but then maybe, maybe you're thinking you're on the wrong version of the game. It's not the oh, sequel. Oh, right. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I was. I had the wrong film. Uh, uh, so it's Horizon Zero Dawn of the Dead. There we go. Yeah. Right. There we go it's because they were in the. It's because they were in the opposite sides, and I thought it was <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. So I was like, right. Night of the <laughs> Living Forbidden West. <laughs> okay, okay, Jesse, where were you with that one? What were you? What were you thinking? No, I knew. I knew it was Dawn of the Dead, and I knew it was Horizon Zero Dawn. But how could you not put that together, mate? Come on. I don't know. <laughs> It's been a long time. I say week. that, I would be just as bad at doing this. Worse, <laughs> if uh, right, next one. Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver star in this 1999 comedy about an Italian plumber attempting to save his girlfriend from a big bad lizard in space. <laughs> right, say the first. Say that again. <laughs> Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver star in this 1999 comedy 
about an Italian plumber attempting to save his girlfriend from a big bad lizard in space. Right. <laughs> this is just Super Mario Galaxy Quest. There you go. Just nice. Yeah, perfect. Nice. Swooped in there. I thought Joe was uh, ready to say that any second. I just couldn't think of which Mario game it was for ages. Even yeah. though <laughs> Galaxy is obvious in the title. <laughs> <laughs> just froze. Yeah. Next one. After hacking a government supercomputer in search of video games, Kratos and his son Atreus inadvertently set the world towards thermonuclear destruction. Right. God of War games. Yes, Jesse. Smashed it. Yeah. <laughs> you were on firing games at the moment. Last week you killed it as well. I I think something must be wrong with me. That's what's right with you, mate. <laughs> uh, next one. Chris Pratt leads a pack of raptors in this endlessly popular 2004 MMO from Blizzard. Jurassic World of Warcraft. Nice. Okay. <laughs> we're flying, we're flying. Ellie just can't stop seeking revenge in this 2003 sequel all about street racing and family. Uh, the, wait, <laughs> is it The Last and the Furious? <laughs> no, but you're close. Jesse, can you swoop? Can you just say that again, please? It's actually not right looking at this, but yeah. Uh, so Ellie just can't stop seeking revenge in this 2003 sequel all about the street racing and family. All about street racing and family. The Wait, The Fast I, of Us Part 2. <laughs> no, no, it's no, not that thing, game. I, it's the I words know, are all the I, same. You're not changing I know the words. Se- I know the sequel and I know the game, but I can't work together how it works properly. <laughs> in it. You were thinking it was an endless starch, Joe. It's not that. I think both of mine are perfect. <laughs> the fast of us, fancy. Is um, it? Is it? Um, too last, too furious. No. Bear in mind, like the titles stay the same; they're just connected. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a little bit unfair because there's no word "part" in this. That I, game is called The Last of Us Part Two, and he hasn't written that. Okay, I'm going to have to say it, guys. Wait, yeah. wait. The last... <sighs> Shit. <laughs> okay. The, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold. Is, it, <laughs> is it The Last of Us Part 2, Fast 2, Furious? I feel like I'm going to give you that because I said there's no part. It's The Last of Us 2, Fast 2, Furious. Yeah, okay, yeah that's okay. fine. <laughs> yeah. But look, The Last and The Furious does actually work. <laughs> it's just the wrong film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. This is number six. I'm going to go to ten, I think. Uh, Jesse, you're winning three to two. Awesome. Hideo Kojima pioneering, not, sorry, Hideo Kojima's pioneering 1998 tactical espionage action game about a drummer struggle with losing his hearing. Oh, the sound of Metal Gear Solid. Nice. <laughs> That's quite an obscure pick on the film there. I've not watched that yeah. film yet. I've never watched it. It sounds too sad. Oh, it's very good though. It's very, it's very sad. I like, I saw obviously Coda won Best Picture the other day, mm. and I looked up a what I didn't know much about. It. I looked up and I saw it was about it's about a deaf family. Is that right? Yeah, but the but one child has hearing. Right. I, think is oh. the, I was like, I feel like I've had my fill of those sort of films about. <laughs> I think that one's just meant to be nice. I don't oh, okay. think it's like a. I don't think it's okay. Everyone, everyone I've heard talk about it is like, no, it's really lovely. Oh, okay, so that's different. That, I think that might be the deal. That's good. Uh, right. Number seven, Mizaki directs this Wii launch title where Link turns into the wolf, into the wolf god Moro and brings his wrath on the humans who no longer exist in balance with nature. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> okay. I don't even know what the start. This, I don't even know what this game is. Uh, it's Mizaki. I, oh, right. I uh, know what game it is and yeah, I know same. what film Miyazaki, it is, sorry. but I can't remember the name of the oh, film. Twilight Princess Mononoke. That's it. You got it. Okay, I, know, there we go. I don't know what Mononoke is. Princess Mononoke. It's, it's a banger. Classic. Uh, it's way eight. more violent than you think it's going to be from a Ghibli <laughs> <Okay>. film. <laughs> uh, this is four to, four to three to Joe now. It's tight. It's tight. Uh, number eight. Adam, Axel and Blaze side-scroll their way through 70s New York in its first feature c- collaboration between Scorsese and De Niro. Um. Uh, mean Streets of Rage. I see. <sighs> I know okay. Streets of Rage as well. Five three. Jesse, you have to get this one to get it level. Well, Shit. to have a chance of getting it level. All Sam right. Mendes brings Bond home in this candy-coloured total wipeout battle royale. 
Skyfall guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I fucked uh, it. So Joe's one, but the last one just for fun. Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum upload a mysteriously compatible virus to an alien mothership in this ARMA2 mod coming come from full zombie survival horror release. What? Oh, okay. Arma 2, Arma 2, sorry. It's um, Independence Day Z. There you go. <laughs> sorry, I balls up a little bit. Um, there's a few of us, but I think, no, I think, I think we've had our fill. Thank I've, you, Daniel. Uh, my, my, my brain has had its fill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got? We've got feedback. Joe, you're up first. Damn right. And that's and then, why you don't turn off the screen with the feedback on it. Hello. <laughs> this is from Lee Yarker. Uh, Yarker is a good name. Um, hello, IGN UK chaps and chapette. The recent talk of strange smells has prompted me to tell you about the worst smell I have ever had the pleasure of. <laughs> what a strange Brilliant. sentence. In my early 20s, some 15 plus years ago, I was a fitness instructor for a large chain gym. They had arranged for me to attend a course in Hull that was Monday to Friday. <laughs> Sexy. So to save me the ball ache of driving every day from my then home in Huddersfield, a hotel was booked for the week. It's very um, forensic, this email. I feel like I've got a full picture. After completing day one and staying the first night, spending most of my food allowance on Guinness, I left the hotel in the morning for day two of the course. Once outside the front doors, I was olfactorily assaulted by a smell that very nearly made me be reacquainted with the several pints of Iris beverage and recently devoured bacon sandwich I'd wolfed just moments earlier. My nostrils were genuinely stinging, and my stomach started a spin cycle. Using cartoon logic, I quickly jumped in the car to drive away from the stench, just about saving my breakfast. I love the idea of, like, fleeing the scene of a smell. On return to the hotel that evening, the smell had gone. Curiously, I asked the receptionist what the reek was earlier in the day. She explained that the hotel was equidistant from the fishing docks and a chocolate factory. Now, you would think that the decadent smell of confectionery would somehow mask the less desirable smell of unrefrigerated haddock. Au contraire. Willy Wonka's joint, unfortunately, does not smell of chocolate rivers and marshmallow trees. It actually smells like burnt sugar, which is more likened to an oil refinery. (laughs) A strong, overpowering, sickly sweet smell like the stink of a wheelie bin fire. (laughs) Mix that with the pong of Captain Birdseye's unwashed sea socks, and you've you've a cocktail that'd purge any stomach. (laughs) I now know why the windows of the hotel rooms didn't open, and why only me and some alcoholic plasterers from Hartlepool were the sole guests. By the end of the week, I'd started to acclimate to it, a bit like how paramedics do to decaying corpses, (laughs) although I would not recommend recommend seeking out keep up the great content and respect the sea even if that sea is in hull lee from yorkshire uh, that was surprisingly well written i felt like i was beautiful. going through like a real like yeah. short story journey there there's some real similes sick. in there yeah mm. uh, i did like i did feel my stomach turn ever so slightly a few times in that. that is quite a cocktail of stinks isn't it <laughs> that is um, grim yeah i don't really know what more to say about that tell us about Just, your smells that's well, I mean, I'm not as not a strange smell, but there is um there's a there's a bread factory near us that I really enjoy going on going on walks near because it just smells like delicious toast whenever you walk past. You know, yeah, I was going to say you can't wicked. fuck up the smell of a bread factory unless no, it's like do you think the type haven't. of bread you hate. Do you think this is a thing that's like very centralized, maybe to Europe, but the UK as well? Like, because we've got our space of land is quite small and dense. Like, I feel like everyone's got. a smelly factory nearby at some point mm. <laughs> well in garden near where i used to work in john lewis had a shredded wheat fa- wheat factory that's now shut down and that had a very peculiar smell because that was like yeasty you'd get like mm. big yeast flavors floating over the uh, <laughs> the beautiful manicured gardens of well and gardens look out there's a yeast cloud coming yeah it's <laughs> like yeah gross. it's like, <laughs> like the trailer for nope <laughs> um jesse you're up next and i know what you're thinking I did put this one in for a certain reason, but I also think it's interesting towards the end. So feel free to read it all. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I might need a bit of assistance with one section. I'll call out to the crowd in a moment. Okay. This is from Darth Justice, MD. Hello, lads. And so your delivery of that was really good. <laughs> Darth Justice, MD. MD. Long time, first time, and all that drivel. I wanted to write in with some praise for the Finding Dittman documentary by Dale. As a huge RE4 fan, it was a great watch to see the origin behind the famous glitch. I marveled particularly at the length and luck that Dale employed to track down the man himself. 
Anyway, kudos to Dale. Thank you. Now you can add director to that long list of hats he wears smashingly. The most important of which, for me, will always be Donovan's father and coach. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? Big old D. <laughs> it reminded me of my favorite personal RE4 story. I was always a fan of the, of the game, and I eventually um, convinced my older brother Jamie to give it a go years after its release. I'll never forget one day during my res- residency, I'm rounding, I'm rounding in the hospital and I get a call from my brother, worried of a family emergency. I picked up. Here's the way the conversation went. Now, I just want to say, who can play the character of Jamie for me in this call? Who can do it? Joe, I feel like you've got better acting chops than me. I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. I'll, it'll, it'll be a little bit thematic. Hello? Hey kid, how the hell do you get past those fallen rocks in the caves under the castle in Resident Evil 4? <laughs> oh, I think you run under the first rock and flip the switch to the pause, the second one. Then you can run under the others. I tried a dozen times. Leon can't get under the rock in the foist rock in time. <laughs> the foist rock. <laughs> you, can run un- you can run under it before it gets you and flip the switch. Leon can't run, and he walks too slow. How do you run? <laughs> Just hold down B and run under it. Uh, wait, long pause on his end. Damn, I didn't know he could do that. You mean you've played over half the game without running once? Yep. <laughs> very, very Danny DeVito towards him. Yep. <laughs> He goes on to say, I always thought my older brother was better at games than I was. And that was the final proof I needed. We still laugh when we think back to that conversation, even now. It brings me to my question. Do you guys slash girl have any moments when you suddenly realize you were playing a game either completely wrong or at least making it harder out of ignorance? Uh, I didn't know Elden Ring let you leave um, markers on the map. Uh, until 50 hours in uh, really as in you could leave waypoints like big blue things in the sky but there's oh. a whole section of like stickers for putting like yeah, yeah I know about I the stickers but I didn't completely missed it I had no idea it was there so I had like blue light flying all over my map because <laughs> I had a million waypoints I'd set for myself it was awful I, sorry I, I interrupted that... the uh, the end of that email he just says thanks for your time and keep up the stellar job and then we have obviously Darth Justus, MD, which is Darth a very Justice. nice name. I like it. I think uh, that just reminds me of my time when the first time I ever played a Resident Evil game, which was Code Veronica, and I didn't realize you had to hold a button to run. I think I've said this before. Space it's a similar safe. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, similar. Thankfully, I was at a friend's house. I only played like an hour, but it was yeah. just me continuously walking throughout the game, always dying and thinking, Resident Evil is shit. <laughs> Little did I know. I remember the first time I played Final Fantasy VII, and um i hated the battle system i just wanted the story stuff and when i one of my friends like, oh you can run away from battles by holding both the bumpers so i just did that for like all every <laughs> battle i could and i got to about 13 hours in the game and i got to this boss and it was like trapped me in an environment where i couldn't leave and i just could not beat this thing and then i've quit then eventually i had to just restart the game because it was impossible and then i realized oh wait if I deal with the battles, then I level up and it makes me stronger. <laughs> like, I just never even considered that. I don't know how I got so far, to be honest. Oh, man, I would not have given a fuck enough to do that. But yeah. Final Fantasy VII is a strange beast. Ah, yeah. This last There's one's from... G- got, sorry, I'm just... I, really, <laughs> right. I also think that's a good question because I bet you'd get some really funny things about, like, people who've just missed whole mechanics. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if you remember uh, The Wonderful 101 by platinum Mm -hmm. you have to buy like two of the most fundamental mechanics from a shop before before (laughs) you can use them and so like dodging and guarding in that game are things you could fundamentally miss that's mad yeah and so i don't think anyone i don't think i ever met anyone who did but 100 percent, there will be people out there who played the whole of a platinum game without being (laughs) able to dodge which is insane like that's That's a stupid thing to do but they would be um, mad skilled by the end of it. Well, that's it. I bet there are people who've done it on purpose after the fact, which is definitely oh. why they did that option. Yeah. yeah, it's really strange. I it's would love to hear more of those. 100% mechanics where I feel like I've just avoided using them or not using mm. them the entire game, even though they're like, I remember Resident Evil 7, I never used block once. 
like so I got introduced That's to it at the start and I was like don't need that carry it yeah, on yeah I think I did the same thing it's the most overpowered thing ever oh, I used it a lot in village I used yeah. it a lot then <laughs> but yeah it just it felt clunky to me and I was like I don't need this like, yeah I just decided never to touch it crazy bastards um, but yeah write in if you've got any mechanics that you just never even knew about or just never bothered with through mm. in a game uh, this is from James Heath he says hey IGN team Love the talk recently about the two latest Sebastian Stan projects, Fresh and Pam and Tommy. I agree it's nice to see him clearly having some fun in those roles. I recently finished Pam and Tommy and it brought back some memories of a job I did a few years ago. I was working as an archive researcher for a show called The 90s Greatest, a series about iconic moments in the 90s. Part of the series covered the leaking of the sex tape and I was tasked with finding a copy. Step one was an awkward conversation with the IT department to have some restrictions lifted. And then a day spent sifting through various porn websites searching for the best version. (laughs) To make things more awkward, I sat in the most visible desk in the office (laughs) where everyone would pass me on their way to and from the bathrooms and kitchen. To pile on top of that, the video ripping software I was provided wouldn't let me just rip the video from a link. I could only screen record, <laughs> leading to me having to sit at my desk with a video playing from start to finish and doing my best to fashion a screen covering from loose paper <laughs> as it was making the very Christian woman who sat two desks away from me very uncomfortable. It did leave me sat at my desk wondering, how is this my job? Mm. Covering the things you cover, I imagine you've had lots of how is this my job moments, i.e. cardening, auditioning to be Bond, etc. What are some of your favourites? How is this my job moments? Love everything you do. Keep up, up and of course, respect the sea. I went to a, a nuclear bunker in West Virginia uh, that was designed for the president. <laughs> that was yeah. a good one. That's fucking stupid. Didn't you know, what was that boat one you did in Germany? Was it was it a, a haunted boat, boat or something? Oh no, they kind of they got like a like essentially a boat, a bar on a boat and did it up as if it was haunted oh, okay. um, for the man of Medan. Um, and we went into a little into like a little engineering room and they did this whole weird like spooky experience where a ghost lady appeared outside. <laughs> it was quite strange. Um, you also did. I don't know if it was for this job or for your podcast, Joe, with the um, the thing where you went hunting for like mythical creatures or something. Yeah, that what? was for Monster Hunter. I went yeah. to I went to Devon looking for um, a, a big cat, and we laid out traps <laughs> and Sick. hung out with a cryptozoologist. I think that was I think I put the audio of that on this podcast once. Yeah. Um, that was super weird. You've definitely got the best ones, Joe. I think the best stories. I can't. Well, mine are only just times where I've, impos- I've just had imposter syndrome loads of times. They're like, yeah, how am I, I think, here? Like, how did that, I get to this point? That's the same for me. I think, yeah. like for you, Dale, you've got, maybe maybe this is wrong, but I feel like you've got the clearest line from like a kid's love of wrestling to <laughs> meeting all, not as in you were a kid when you loved wrestling, not yeah. a child, you're not a childish <laughs> love, um, to meeting fucking loads of wrestlers and chatting with them yeah, for stuff. Like, that's got, that must be quite cool. That's, ones that I were on TV when I was younger mm. as well. Those ones are the ones that really, like, matters the wrong word. Because I like meeting the new ones as well, but it, it feels less of a thing. But when I meet someone who, like, Paul Heyman, who was on TV in the 90s, mm. you know, and it's like, holy shit. Like, can I imagine being a kid yeah. and, like, getting to meet this person? Yeah, it's, it's insane. Is there, any, is there anyone you would just, you don't think you'd want to meet? Oh, because it would be too powerful. <laughs> um, there's a Vince lot of musicians. There's a lot of not wrestlers wise. I'm not bothered about that. But um, yeah. there's a lot of musicians that I love that I would never want to meet because mm. I just feel like they'd probably be a bit of a dickhead, or anything I say wouldn't be that interesting to them. That's my worry. It's like yeah. mm. I would love to meet Keanu Reeves, but I don't <laughs> think I could say anything to Keanu Reeves that would properly express how much watching him beat up people changed my life. Uh, and I, so I did once miss an interview with him for John Wick 2. Uh, but the reason I missed it was to go on a date with Anna, who I'm now getting married to. So now I want to meet Keanu so that I can tell him. He would love that as well. Yeah. You know he would love that. That, I, that I'm getting married because I missed talking to you. And I think that's actually, I finally found the good story I could say to Keanu that would mean yeah. something. You, you, so you kind of hope he'd go, whoa, as well. Yeah, exactly, it? yeah. <laughs> or he'd oh, hug God. me and say, I'll <laughs> officiate the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds surprisingly oh, like Keanu, to be fair. I would cry 
for the entire wedding if Keanu was there officiating my wedding. It would what be about, so what about you, Jesse? Anything? anything? I, th- I think it's sort of the same thing that you said, Dal, where it's just a lot of moments where... So, so it's, it's, this is going to sound probably stupid, but there's a lot of moments where I kind of forget that I work for IGN. Mm-hmm. It seems like mm. I've got this job and I'm just sort of doing it and enjoying it, but then I sort of forget the scope that IGN has. Yeah. And there's like there's moments where I'm just like... I used to watch, I used to go on IGN's website as a kid and have to, you know, fucking download videos in order to watch them on my crappy internet and stuff to watch reviews and stuff. Like, it's just, it's just weird. Yeah. But I, there might be, I, feel, I think like the main thing for me was. What about Stormzy do, when you, when you met with Stormzy? I, I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. Like, it was weird because as a kid, I, I listened to a lot of like grime with my brother and stuff. So it'd be like Stormzy, Dizzy Rascal, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then just sitting there next to him playing Watch Dogs Legion, like it's just so driving around stupid. London together, talking about. Are you talking yeah. about Call of Duty with him and stuff? Yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just so much fun. Like he was just really sincere and lovely to be with and yeah. stuff. And like I was feeling, you know, sick and nervous beforehand. But then when I got into it, you know, it was like my job proper had begun because I'm, yeah. you know, doing the best I can to get a good video and stuff. But it's just moments. Yeah, just like that. It was just like, this is my job and it's just normal, but it never yeah. feels normal. Oh, yeah, 100%. I remember, uh, like, this is just like, we're just going back to old stories now. Uh, yeah. But the um, first time I did an actual, back when we used to do in-person junkets, and I went to a junket mm. for Aquaman, I think, and it was with Jason Momoa. And I was sat outside waiting, I was very nervous. And then he just like, he didn't kick down the door, but in my mind, in my mem- hazy memory, he kicked down the door, burst out, raised his arms and goes, who's next? And I was just sitting there on this little chair staring at him. And I was like, just put my hand up, it's me. And he goes, come on in. And then he just, and then I, when we were setting up the cameras, I said, I told the camera, oh, you don't need to film my camera. Like, I don't need that card. And he just looked at me, he goes, why not? He goes, come on, this is the Dale show now, come on. And I was just like, it's such a surreal moment, like a really nice That's experience lovely. as well. It is worth pointing out to people that, it is not normal for yeah. the actors to to like run be the happy. show or be happy or interested. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're usually on their phones when you walk in, and yeah. you get a polite hello, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah, and you go, "I work for IGN." They're like, "Huh, IGN? Yeah." And you can see in their eyes they have no idea. <laughs> Who the fuck what are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I just realised James has a PS. He says, oh. and it says might be a bit too blue for the podcast. So I definitely want to read this out now. Might be a bit too blue for the podcast, but my first ever how is this my job moment occurred when I worked as a logger on Big Brother 2. House, oh sorry, Big Brother. Two housemates were hooking up and I arrived for the overnight shift. I was sat down in front of a monitor and told, there's a camera pointing at their bed. Let us know as soon as anything starts to happen. And then I had to essentially write a live play-by-play that would be fed through to the producers. That's me. That's I just had to... Do text like BBC style text commentary of two people boning. Yeah, <laughs> that is grim. Isn't it? There was that like that real. I remember the early days of Big Brother. That real race to like who are going to be the first people to have sex on camera yeah. in that show. Oh god, it's grim. what a bizarre time. That was. Um, who like I would like to know more about that that career. Like yeah. given that there's two big stories there about like completely bizarre TV stuff. I want to hear more of that. Tell and I would also like things. to hear other people's how did I get here mm. um, talking yeah. head style moments. When you've yeah, just been in nice. a situation in your job, you're like, how the hell did my life come to this? It can be <laughs> yeah. positive, it can be negative, whatever you want. Yeah. For some people, it's the mixed smell of burnt sugar and fish, you know, but for others. <laughs> that is grim. For others, it's uh, legitimately watching porn at work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, IGN underscore UK feedback is the email address. I think that's us. I don't think we've even mentioned a single song today that we could we could put in. What, uh, yeah. Can we do the Severance theme tune? Because it's so good. Oh, yeah. I love the Severance theme tune. Yeah. One day, well, hopefully, at uh, some point soon, we'll, we'll come back on and talk about Severance properly when it's all finished and. Uh, Finishes next week, doesn't it? Yeah. We I might didn't even it. realize that it was like that new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're on the ground floor, baby. I think, yeah, we might do a spoiler cast because. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot to talk about at the end of that. So um, I'm excited. So, yeah, that would I'm so, nice. I'm, it's so exciting to have, like, I feel like that and Yellow Jackets, like two great, like good mystery shows back. Yeah. In. Proper mystery box shows with like actual, you know, propulsive storylines instead of just going, 
Oh, who, who done the murder? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. Uh, all right, that's it. Severance Food Tune. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.